The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Have an interesting program for you today. Now, we hear this every day. We basically hear this debated on Twitter. Uh, win now, uh, tanking, uh, or play a steady hand. So do you like the roller coaster of NFL parody uh, to be ridden to the greatest highs and the greatest lows? Or do you like a nice level ride um, that, that, that you can otherwise have? Here to talk about that uh, topic with me is somebody who we've had on the show before, uh, very sharp guy, Miggy Duran. Miggy, how you doing? I'm very good, Ken. How about you? Uh, great to have you on again. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you, first of all. 
Okay, so basically I am at Twitter at M-I-G-U-E-U-U-R-N. Sorry about my spelling. I'm not from U.S., but I'm doing my best in, the, in English. All right. All right. Outstanding. Uh, we'll, we'll get that uh, at the end. I'll read it off from your, from your account directly, but really appreciate having you on, Miggy. And, and the, the stuff you sent me is very well formulated, very well thought out. Uh, I do not demand anywhere near this much from somebody who's doing a short, but when, it, when some, <laughs> okay. sometimes people get it to me and it's, it just looks terrific. Before we move on to it, I have to acknowledge our, our sponsor. Thanks very much to Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Please uh, give their product a try. They've been very good to us, and we would appreciate it if you uh, could support the show. Uh, other folks out there, uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, other film study short opportunities at the end. But, Miggy, let's talk about your uh, uh, thesis here about <laughs> what – maybe do you want to talk historically, or would you like to talk about uh, – how would you like to introduce? I'm going to let you do it. Okay, so – this is basically coming from, I would say, the Twitter era, because you know you can hear about a lot of people' opinion on it, and you hear a lot of how do the Ravens should approach in the roster construction point of view every season. But um, you always hear the same things. Like you know, you lose a couple of games, so oh, okay, this team is going nowhere. You should tank. You should tank and get the most value you can during the draft. Or, uh, you know, they should go all in and trying to um, spend all the uh, limit or your credit card and try to pay later for the limited resources that we know the NFL is trying to have in this parity. Um, they've been working since the uh, salary cap era. Mm-hmm. So salary cap is king for sure. Um, and, and, you know, I... I I referred to it in the open about roller coaster parity, but the NFL mm-hmm. actually encourages teams uh, to basically buy roller coasters to effectively consider tanking and having a very low trough that, if you know done entirely properly, will then create winning years again. But it's it's intended to allow a good parity between the teams to bring teams back. The draft is a great place where the teams with the worst records obviously get the highest draft picks. That creates a new set of stars that get redistributed and uh, is is thought to be a very positive thing for the league. As a season ticket holder, I got to tell you, I have a little different view on this is that, you know, I'm going to be asked for that same uh, very significant amount of money for my seat every week. Okay. And, and it's going to be true whether the team is bad or whether the team is good. You got to try and sell me on the notion that riding the roller coaster to its greatest heights and lowest uh, troughs is really worth it. So tell me about what your theory is regarding roster construction and how you would go about it if you were managing the franchise. Okay, so trying to win now or trying to tank, neither of those uh, formulas is going to be um, effective because there are so many outside factors that are going to factor in, you know, one of it, it's health. The other one is uh, production that you are really having against the cap dollars that you will spend or the draft capital that you spend on the season. And um, right, right now it's a hot topic because uh, we know we're at the last part of Lamar Jackson contract in his fifth year. And it's like, how are the Ravens really spending that limited resources and how are they getting the best value out of it? So 
if uh, we go back to where these uh, Lamar Jackson era started in 2018, we saw a team that spent on low uh, low resources on both the receiving corps by having basically three cheap options on it, um, spending big on the draft capital on the tight ends, and having this QB that was uh, this big money, uh, totally deserved construct. But at the same time, they were already planning for the next era and using that capital to try to have the best roster they can for Joe Flacco, but already start thinking about how will they uh, survive or start uh, having this uh, sustainable roster with Lamar Jackson. We already know that um, injury of Lamar Jackson's hip turned the Ravens into this um, run first Roman uh, team. So. Again, this is limited resources that we're spending on the win now somehow. We're still a sustainable roster already planning for the next QB to come. Okay, so Lamar Jackson came in. There was some dead money that went out the door with Joe Flacco, obviously. And when he was traded after the 18 season, then a lot of a lot of money was still being paid actually for Joe Flacco in that 2019 season because it was dead. Mm-hmm. But... On the other hand, the rest of the offense, the non-dead money that was still around, was absolutely astonishingly good for the total dollar spent. In fact, it's, it's historic production relative to cap. Uh, it, 3.08 points per drive, and, and we've talked about this so many times on the show, I feel like I don't have to you know, go over mm-hmm. it again. But they, but they did it with, with most of the cap being spent on defense, not on offense, even, even including the Joe Flacco dollars. Yeah, that is right. And when the 2019 uh, roster started and the allocation of resources that went, they were not that huge in the salary cap. You know, it's always, you know, this, uh, we've been beating this round for years and years about how the Ravens are allocating resources on the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, right now we've been translating that to okay, do the Ravens really care about winning, you know, in the 2019? How do they went and uh, construct their receiving corps? You know, first round and a third round. In the first round, they spent it in a guy that had a screw on his foot. Mm-hmm. He still was good. He still was a very productive um, playoff wide receiver, Hollywood Brown. You know, it's amazing the game he had against Tennessee because he was a good receiver, but he's still not... Uh, the most valuable resource you could expend on the wide receiver, and you know, and the uh, Miles Boykin also being your second receiver, the blocking one. So when you think about how do they spend those resources and how they were not aggressive on the trade deadline to bring um, another option that probably could have uh, opened the offense a little more, you think about okay, how could the Ravens have done better with another receiving option, probably another better. Um, so I look at that 2019 season and I say, why would anybody have a problem with the offense? This is my first question. I mean, they're scoring 3.08 points per drive. I mean, it was the best offense in football by a mile. It cut the cap. It cost them nothing. They basically had to rebuild that entire defense on the fly. And I thought the Costa did a marvelous job of that. You know, they got a new inside linebackers with Bynes and Ford who came in and fixed that. They got new defensive tackles with Pecco and, 
uh, Ellis. Ellis. Yeah. To come back, come in. They, you know, traded for Marcus Peters in a, in what ended up just being an utter steal from the, from the uh, Rams. And, you know, they, it seemed to me like they spent money in the areas where the Ravens really needed to spend the money in 2019. Yeah. And that's a very valid point. But again, um, when, when you think about spending and trying to um, upgrade your roster with really spending some of those resources, mm-hmm. you have to think, okay, you bring, that's basically basically three guys that were unemployed before you bring, bring them in, you know, mm-hmm. buying some fork, wearing a couch, and suddenly they were starting inside linebackers that they push, like, uh, and doing an, uh, you know, an outstanding, outstanding job in the middle of the defense, but that was that was uh, actually a gamble that they did, you know. And that's something that, I mean, that's uh, how all the outside factors um, factor in, and you have to um, allocate those resources like really wisely. So they did. They did hit. They buy. They bought like four lottery tickets, and they spent a fifth, and they rebuilt it, the defense. Mm-hmm. I understand the part that you didn't need it to make the, the offense more efficient, but you could probably have done a, a better job of giving another weapon. It, it's something that has been driving to this season. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of uh, wasting resources, to be honest. I'm not wasting, but uh, of maximizing resources in this like era. As you have said before in the show, this is a credit card that has a limit. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of cap. So... I think they have allocated resources good in the 19. They did a good job, but suddenly everything started to crumble when the defense was not able to stop the Titans. You know? let, let me, but let, let's go back to that, that loss to the Titans. Was there anything they could have done in terms of a single acquired player that would have won them that Titans game? We hear this crap all the time. And, and you, you <laughs> yeah. obviously know which side of this argument I'm on that, you're never going to win in the playoffs if you don't have this receiver, this receiver, this receiver. And I, I mean, frankly, there's a huge contingent of people who care about offensive skill position players and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I have a hard time dealing with that. Now, there has been, you know, if you point to it, there's been fair success with wide receiver driven offenses. There's also been very little success with with quarterbacks beyond their first contract. So, you know, there's a double edged kind of feeling that you got to win now, but I still go back to the, to the Tennessee game. I don't think there's anything personnel wise, any one player they could have had that, that would have made the difference in that game. And that's really, that's what it comes down to is that one game sample losing it under truly awful conditions, meaning, meaning it was at home, heartbreaking conditions. Let's put it that way. There were some anti Lamar conditions, just that much in terms of the wind during that game. Uh, that led to the help lead to that first interception over Andrews. But I, who's the one guy that would have fixed everything so that Lamar would have won the Ravens that game against the Titans that day? Yeah, I don't think there's one guy, and that's actually back to my point of uh, this episode of how the Ravens are uh, roster building and looking at the future every time. Um, I mean, there, there's always uh, there's always a possibility to bring. Uh, Probably like overspending and to see what is on the trade market, or probably uh, 
I don't know, uh, to be honest, I cannot remember if there were some receiving options at the trade deadline, but that was a pretty good, solid, uh, more than solid, you know, there wasn't a historic offense that was running through their tight ends and the running game. And again, Mar Marquise Brown was, or is going to be the best receiving option in the Ravens history for a long time, because I don't see that changing a lot in the future, but. Well, let's let's talk about the rest of the Lamar era and how <laughs> you know just get, get, give your grade on on how the uh, DaCosta has done in terms of managing resources, balancing for now and later. Okay, so they, they they've been like really. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer; it's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take liquid death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Uh, being cautious, but at the same, the same time, when you saw that at the start of the 2020, you saw, first of all, and even before the 2019 um, finish, they have already extended Peter's like one outstanding job they did in finding him. So they, okay, let's allocate resources in this guy that is going to make, make a difference on uh, our team and did it on the 19, on the 20. He missed the 21, but he's still making a very good impact on it. Um, again, the, the biggest topic is the, the the wide receivers. They're still spending a lot of one wide receivers in the, in the rest of the um, Lamar era. They've been trying to, They've been, uh, let's call it swinging the bat. But again, if we're talking about spending, you need to factor in how the outside factors are going to either hurt or make your team win. So when we saw what, um, you know, you, you had your first round uh, receiver in Marquise Brown and then a, a freaky athlete on Miles Walking, one pan out when the other don't. The one that pan out didn't want it to play here. So that's another outside factor. You're allocating resources on it, a first round. That's not going to be a cheap salary. But suddenly you won't have it because he doesn't want to be here. They they got another first round pick for him that Indeed. you know is an outstanding return for Brown. Frankly, they pilfered the Cardinals in that deal. I'm not yeah. saying they, they necessarily, you know, you, you, you can, they didn't draft another wide receiver. Let's put it that way. And they, they you know, they had chances at, the best chance they had was probably at 45. They could have not taken a Jabo and taken Pickens. Yeah, but that, that's where... Um, so 
even though I do believe that the Ravens are are um, are conservative in some uh, areas, for example, wide receiver. That's I mean that's the drum that we're all been beating since years, and even the flacker years. You know, this is like probably even a boring topic because it's <laughs> it discussed every day. And if you go to Twitter, you just have to put Ravens wide receiver. You're gonna find like probably fifty tweets every minute. You know, okay. so. When you saw all the allocated resources on the offense and how they've been playing into this um, into these Raven, Lamar-led Ravens, and when you make uh, the relative spend dollars and draft capital, that's a lot of what have been invested. The main issue is that it hasn't panned out because of outside factors as injury because you didn't then count on T.A. Watt falling on Ronnie Stanley's left ankle. Mm-hmm. You know? All of those things that you're swinging. I mean, you uh, locked the best left tackle in the NFL at the time by a price that was not cheap. Right. But you did lock the best guy that you could have for Lamar as the left side because he's a great run blocker, because he's a great mirror of uh, – Pass rushers, you know, that's the best left tackle you could have for Lamar. Mm-hmm. You had a couple of first round wide receivers, but then the guy that didn't have any injury in the, at the college level that looked like a finished product started to or ready to contribute at the first game. Suddenly, the guy has this hernia that that's not something that you could do about it. You're talking Those about Bateman now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my point. There are resources that has been allocated that are not cheap. Yeah. So so let me see if I can restate that and parrot it back and see if we're, if we're are at the same point here. So even if you do spend the resources on the correct positions, still there are a lot of factors that are out of your control as a general manager that either make those contributions less important by injuries being one of them uh, or just missing on the pick. Cause that can happen too, obviously. Uh, which, and, and I would say that's the case, you know, pretty much with Patrick queen is, is although he, he seems to be playing pretty well right now. Uh, it, it was a fairly big swing on an inside linebacker position at the peak of inside linebacker value that uh, didn't work out uh, over two years. And you only get four. Five, including the option, but the fifth one is is more close to market value in terms of what you're paying. So they've already wasted a good portion of that time. And then they used a three as well. So they spent pretty much over half their draft capital that year on inside linebacker. But even when you apply it to the correct positions is the point. You, you still have all of these other factors which can burn you in terms of injuries happening at other positions like to Stanley. Uh, like to Lamar in 2021, that make it very difficult to win anyway. Yeah, that's that's a very very fair point, and that's exactly where, where I'm trying to reach. Um, that I think that the Ravens are not cheap because that's a that's an argument that has been running on uh, social media and defense. Ravens are not cheap. They've been trying to make Lamar the highest paid quarterback. And they have not achieved it because this guy is not only uh, one one in a, one of a kind quarterback. He's also one of a kind um, quarterback in the field. It's also one of a kind 
quarterback uh, representing himself. Mm-hmm. So that's another factor that they are not able to uh, relieve the cap that of this fifth year option because you have this other, this other factor. There are a lot of things, um, as I said, the health of the Stanley, um, even Linderbaum. Linderbaum could have been a biggest, bigger impact if he hadn't missed a couple of uh, weeks in camp. If, uh, I mean, this, this probably it's another if, but if Marquise Brown was still on this team, you would have still your deep threat wide receiver one kind of a guy. And, but, and then you, you wouldn't have Linderbaum then. Yeah, that's a fair yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One on one spending, yeah, yeah. But uh, again, uh, that's how you allocate resources. They've been allocating resources on the offense, even bringing that first, uh, first round center. So when, when you think about uh, are, are they really spending it? Are they really uh, not using all the or pulling all the levers for using on the reference to your show? Mm-hmm. They're pulling the levers. They're restructuring contracts. They're bringing guys. There are just a lot of things that are not going to their way. Their wind are not uh, going to their way in a lot of those things. I mean, having this uh, high cap impact because Earl Thomas decided to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you lose this space on the cap that probably you could have been allocating other resources, either the offense, the defense. Probably you could uh, have Very paid. Good point. Uh, you could have paid a, another inside linebacker that money, and even that's not how you would want to spend it, Ken. Mm-hmm. But probably that's how you would avoid it, spending a second and a fifth on an inside linebacker because you're not getting that play from, and that's the uh, point in your uh, defense that was missing. That's that's a that's a really good point. Is that you know the the it's been costly in a number of ways to have to make a move like that at inside linebacker. But the first is you really hope your draft picks work out. And in in the case of Queen, hopefully he still does. Hopefully he continues to progress at what seems to be happening in twenty twenty two. But they you know to have a first round draft pick that you get not you know basically replacement level play from for two years mm-hmm. is really not acceptable. I mean, it's just it's you, you got to do better than that with your first round picks. I know there's been a lot of troubles with in general with inside linebackers around the league with them not panning out in terms of first round draft picks. But you, you just need to do better than that in terms of of your picks. So hopefully that's square. Hopefully Queen plays off Roquan and, and we have something really special there. But I do think it's, they're only going to be able to keep one of those guys. Yeah, me too. I mean, probably I, sh- I shouldn't have been saying this, but picking up uh Queen's fifth-year option when you have Roquan and probably you want him to extend because you don't want to look at more resources on it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a key point. I mean, the, by the time that this deal came up, my first thing was, okay, Patrick, infer, Patrick Queen, fifth-year option, it's not a guarantee at this point, even though he has been playing great, probably starting on week three in this year. That's not where you want to allocate your dollars because, again, you're playing with future money that you don't want to spend. The, where do you want to spend it? You want to spend it on your your uh, MVP quarterback. You know. Let's go back to Roquan for a second because the acquisition of him had costs on multiple levels. First of all, the draft capital is very significant that they gave up a second and a fifth. And don't bother even listening to the Bears fans who all wanted to get a number one for him. 
The fact of the matter is the Ravens traded for two things in that trade. They traded for a good rental player for half a season, effectively nine games or whatever they're going to end up getting out of Roquan. But they, they traded for him and, and maybe it should have been a third round selection for Roquan. If you want to say a third and a fifth, I could buy that. But about half of the draft capital that they gave away was for the Bears to pick up $5 million in salary cap that effectively gives them the flexibility to get through the rest of this year. They, In fact, they could not have made the deal for Roquan if the Bears hadn't eaten the substantial portion of his salary that they did. So, you know, the thing that I have to go back to there, they did put it on the credit card. They've effectively, you know, mm-hmm. transferred a bunch of cap into draft capital and traded it away. Um, and and from what the Ravens did, you can really get a sense of how much is a draft pick worth relative to cap. And I, I don't know if that would help the people who always seem to want to trade draft picks like party favors, understand the value <laughs> of these things. But, you know, oh, I give a first and a third for him. Just go in. No, no, we're not giving away a first and a third for anything. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so anyway, I... I, uh, I I don't want to stop you on that, but the, the kind of go through the rest of the period, the 19 to 22 period in terms of other things that you saw in terms of, of when the Ravens maybe were cheap and when they spent. Okay. So first of all, the Ravens are not carrying over to any year, the last year's cap, mm-hmm. whatever they carry over. It's just uh, the remaining of the salary that they were uh, expecting not to use in your players and replacing your 53 and roster. Right. So that's the first thing you want to see is, okay, they're spending their salary cap, they're spending their cash. They're restructuring money. They're using the, the, the cash they have now in order to get some relief. But there's always, they're always within the line going from probably a hundred K to a 55 K or whatever it is. They're using the resources and, for example, watching the Campbell move, I don't know how how other way you could say, I want to win now, I want to have a great defense now, by trying to uh, that age guy and paying that, that amount of money. You're getting the return of it, you're just uh, going into a high risk with Campbell. I mean, the, the guy has been outstanding in all the levels of... Uh, having leadership, having production, having an outside uh, of the field guy as Campbell it is, but you're still having it for a 30-plus year guy that you don't know when's going to be his last nap that's probably going to come in from you. Yeah, it, it's been incredible. I mean, what if, if they whether they fin- are able to finish the last year of this contract with Campbell or not, and that'll be one of the questions that I think uh, the Lamar contract and whether or not he pay, he plays on the tag next year will kind of determine whether or not Calais Campbell is around for one more year. Boy, Campbell's been an incredible buy. I mean, he's been it, it, his his contracts one of the best, and free agent contracts are one of the best in Ravens history. Actually, two of the best, really, because he got renegotiated after after mm-hmm. two years. Uh, I, there's nothing I can I can I can blame on on Campbell here. But I want to go back to the point you made that they are spending every dollar year after year on the cap. They are, in fact, fully restructured. This, this, this team cannot do anything to restructure the current contracts any more than it is done. And believe me, they wouldn't have traded the draft capital away for Roquan, the surplus draft capital, if there was any way they could have generated that capital internally. 
whether that meant extending a player like Peters, which I think it's a pretty clear indication they don't really want to do that because it was one of the ways they could have generated a little cash. Every other contract that they had that had a few, you know, loose quarters or a few, a little, a little bit of extra mm-hmm. cap, they could have, they basically harvested every bit of that. You know, they gave Chuck Clark uh, extension money to, to get his uh, dollars out there. They've got, a, you know, several big NLTBE bonuses out there. Mm-hmm. One of them is going to go to Houston. Now, Houston is worth every dollar, but yeah, you know, they, they, they're spending a couple million from next year on his sack production this year. Uh, and and you know, it could be the same for with JPP if he ends up playing a fair number of snaps. Yeah, and, the, and that's where you, where you think this team is trying to win now, mm-hmm. because otherwise you're not paying that uh, all of those thirty plus guys that are performing at a high level, you're still running at a very high risk. Of as I said, you don't know if his next stop is going to be his last snap. They're going to play in the NFL. You're paying the money now because you want to win now. I think. And I think the biggest indication that they want to win now is that they have not paid Lamar right now, but they're still making moves as if he is going to be next year. Because otherwise, they don't have the skill position players on their contract for the next years. Because who is who is somebody else that is coming um, from the outside is going to... Um, Somebody's gonna throw too, because you don't have it. You have Bateman that is come is going to come from a Liz Frank uh, surgery. I mean, Liz Frank surgery always uh, have a guy playing with a screw in his foot for the next years after they got the, that operation. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Jimmy. We saw it um, with Hollywood in recent years. Right, Otherwise, so you're not you're not expecting a full Bateman season even in year three. You're not expecting see, him to be a big breakout player. We could see a 17 uh, game year, but as I, I think Jimmy played the 16 games on the 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that was the year after his Lewis Frank injury. He didn't play at the same level. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I I agree with that, and we didn't see it even out of Hollywood as a rookie either when he was playing after it. Yes, so there's not enough resources for skill position players for the next year. So that makes me think, okay, you're gonna need like a really special quarterback on this team in order to make all of those things work. They already have it, and they're not trying to let him go. Mm-hmm. You could make the argument of the guaranteed money, the how Watson completely shred uh, every QB strategies. But as far as I can tell, they're trying to retain Lamar in here because otherwise, even though you're still going to have probably a great line, if, uh, if Siler is still uh, there and you have uh, Folele mm-hmm. making his way into a starting right tackle, you're still going to have a very good line, but you don't have skill position players that's why you need a guy like Lamar that's going to elevate everybody mm-hmm. around him. You know, that's why I think they're planning on that because they're not tanking. They never tank. Even though they had the opportunity to do it on the 2015, they were giving draft picks to bring, I think it was Chris Givens. Chris Givens, yep, a seven. Yeah. It, that's a, that's a probably not a big amount of uh, draft capital, but you're mm-hmm. still giving draft capital for a guy that probably... You knew it was a rental, and you you knew you're not getting anything from that rental, you know. 
-hmm. he's not going to be your number two number three receiver so they're never gonna tank so having this kind of um skill position players for the next year because i don't expect kenny and drake or even i'm not sure how they're gonna play it with gus because he's uh he's getting his uh salary a little a little bump for the next year yeah i gotta look at that where, where he is but i the uh no edwards is one of the guys on that's on the bubble to be cut and and this came up on the on the offense show uh that should be out by now go take go take a listen to that the offense roster evaluation is yeah. who has to be cut for lamar jackson and it's really comes down to about four players but the the big ones are Campbell and Edwards are are likely to be caught if if Lamar has to play on the tag. Yeah, so that that's my point. So again, the Ravens never tank. That's not their philosophy. That's how they're loyal they are to their fans. Because mm -hmm. to be honest, when you watch those games for the season, at least in my personal uh experience, I like to watch all of those games for the previous year during the off season. I don't want to watch a bunch of losses. Right. That's painful that's boring that's uh i, I don't want to see it and and I, i i know i've stated this a number of times on the show but i even more don't want to watch that in a seat that i paid for as opposed to paying for it on sunday ticket or by whatever other means you get the games on tv i i i think the ravens by the way with regard to that are doing the right thing to keep their season ticket holder base happy with a kind of a level performance always have a chance to get in the tournament always have a chance to win Um, I, I think I think that makes your season ticket holder base more stable. And teams like the Dolphins, who've completely embraced the tanking philosophy, they've done a great job with it in terms of putting together a talented franchise and turning it around. I still see a half-empty stadium. You know, I still see you know yeah. a season ticket holder base. They haven't sold that place out. They're they're not um, you know they they don't have a big season ticket holder base like the Ravens do that they can rely on to always be there as, as kind of a minimum for the team. It's uh, it, it's just critically important to keep that group happy and make sure your tickets are in demand. Yeah. And, and, and spending, I mean, probably this is the last point you're making. Probably when, when you see all the resources that are being spent around the league, because, you know, the Rams are still spending uh, draft capital and they were trying to uh, trade for, Christian McCaffrey, okay, where are they mm -hmm. now? You Great see text. the Denver Broncos. You see the Denver Broncos. That's probably the most dreadful return they had for this year. Mm -hmm. You went and wasted a huge amount of uh, draft capital, and then you give it another contract to Russell Wilson just to have the most boring offense in the league. You Terrible said, offense it's a terrible offense and they're not getting anything in return. And suddenly they're going to be at the 2022 draft with serious draft capital issues. So even though you spend it, that's not um, a guarantee that you're going to get anything in return of it. Yeah. Very, very good point on that. So we're going to see some games in theory of, Um, Deshaun Watson at the end of this game, at the end of this year, perhaps the last six games he's going to play. He'll be uh, available to play after 11 weeks. Jacoby Brissett has not been utterly terrible. In fact, I, I say he's not really the reason why the Browns have been bad. I think it's mostly on defense that the Browns have sucked. It's not on offense. I, I think it's even possible Watson coming back after all this time will not be the player he was. I think that's likely. 
but that that mm-hmm. he'll come back and and perhaps not even be as good as Brissett has been so far this year. We'll see. The Ravens actually will see firsthand because they have to play them. Do you think that will affect the decision to go with guaranteed money for Lamar? I mean, obviously the Ravens don't want to do it, but will the Ravens have more leverage in terms of not paying that money if at, when Watson returned, he's a shadow of himself or you know he's he plays at about the same level as Jacoby Brissett played for 11 weeks for the Browns? I'm, I'm not... It, you know, it's it's impossible to know what Bishot is thinking. I don't think the Costa has a problem with it. I don't think John Harbaugh has a problem with it. I don't think anyone within the the Ravens organization has a problem with it. But I do think Bishot has a problem with it. Okay. I, I I cannot certainly tell, but I know they will do everything, even going against their philosophies, to keep Lamar in here. Okay. That's probably also I'm probably biased, but. Uh, I, I really expect him to. We all want to see him here, and he's he is he is so much more. Uh, no grading system captures the value that Lamar gives with with the amount that he improves the other players around him, and we talked about that. You know, a fair amount to to mm-hmm. to you know beat it to death, I think. But you know the the flexibility that is there by having some non-guaranteed money in the contract is very important for managing the cap in the future. And I, I don't think it's just Bishotti. In fact, I think if it were Bishotti and Bishotti were, you know, DaCosta and Harbaugh, were, were DaCosta is the one, it would really be completely okay with it. I think that it probably would have been done already. But I think that DaCosta is probably not all right with it, which is why he can't convince Bishotti to be all right. I don't think it's a, it's a money thing at all. I don't think it's a matter of, you know, the, 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 the cash is somehow not available or you couldn't put up assets or you couldn't borrow the money and put an escrow. I mean, all legitimate options for anyone who's got a business background that they could they can get that cash even if it's not there. Mike Brown paying Joe Burrow might be a different story. But Steve Bishotti <laughs> has tremendous assets in, you know, in life that he can draw upon in, in many different ways um, to, to put up that escrow fund. So I, I, don't think, I really don't think that's the issue. I think, I think if, if EDC was completely behind it, and if Pat Moriarty, the Ravens cap guy, was completely mm-hmm. behind it in terms of, of believing this was the right thing to do, I think, that, I think the deal would have been made already. I think, you know, I think they would have found the right amount, $235 million fully guaranteed. Yeah, but uh, I I also think that they have a lot of uh, levers to pull the next year. You have some very high salaries that you still want to have. What I'm saying is you're going to have salaries like Andrews. You're going to have Stanley salaries. You're going to have mm-hmm. Marlowe salaries. All of those salaries, those, those are salaries that you want in your cap. Those are levers that you can pull to restructure, to extend, or whatever you want to do, those are opportunities the Ravens have because they have been spending. Again, we're coming back to the main point of this discussion. They have been spending wisely the money and the draft capital on those guys, and you have those levers to pull. If you can pull those levers, is now. Probably in the amount of years that Marlowe, Andrews, and Stanley are performing at a high level that there's no reason to believe that those guys will perform uh, underperform their contracts in the next three or four years. And I think they have that flexibility to have those core of guys while still paying an, uh, 
a fully guaranteed deal for Lamar. But again, we're discussing this because Watson did it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't be discussing this. You know, the NFLPA saw saw it, and they will take advantage of a guy that does not have an agent that will tell him, "Hey, take the money now." Right. I, that is one of my issues with the NFLPA being involved, and it's the really to me, it's the only issue for having an agent for Lamar. If, if Lamar were, you know, had perfect vision about the situation and could avoid all the noise and distractions and realize it's it's his livelihood and it's all about him and the NFLPA is not the right group to necessarily be listened to. I mean, they want the leverage for other players. Um, then, then I think I think I'd be happy. I'd be okay if he didn't have a, a, an agent. But right now, the amount of other people who are yakking at him uh, is is part of the problem, in in, in my opinion. He's it's it's really uh, him not having an agent actually has been a, a, a great distraction to the process, and I think in, in particular the NFLPA uh, and how they're addressing it is one of the issues. Yeah, and and to be back on the point of that, bring us here. So, mm-hmm. so the Ravens are trying to win in a balance mode without borrowing from future cap, but they're doing it the right way by protecting their biggest assets. All of the guys that you just mentioned with big contracts, those guys, you want them here. You mm-hmm. want Lamar here, whatever it takes. You want Marlo here as your CB1. You want Anders as your receiving one option, even though he's not a wide receiver. He's you know a heck of a, of a guy that you want to hear. You're gonna you're gonna have uh, Marcus Williams and all of those guys. That's money well spent. I I think the the thing that brought me to to this show is exactly that. I think they're spending the money where they need to. You're, they're not wasting money in guys like Kenny Holiday, or uh, you know you could trade the uh, like all even though you're getting uh, production like Tarek Hill and Dolphins. Okay, all all of those things. How much are you gonna get as a result of a, in a positive way when you compare it to this uh, sustainable way of roster building? You know, mm-hmm. as long as you have a quarterback, as long as you have a left tackle, a CB one t- uh, receiving option one, a pass rusher that they've been platooning, but in a viable way right now. I mean, they're set for pass rush and all of those things, so. I'm I'm actually gonna say this probably this uh, I don't know hot take. I think Eric DeCosta has been doing a very good job on it. I'm, setting the um, roster. I'm right there with you and and really appreciate you and uh, coming through with a very level headed approach about this. Uh that that you know there's a there's a we, we always get people who wanna take, you know, the the everything's wrong situation. And and one of the things about that is is it's it's always basically when you say it, you're saying this general manager doesn't know what he's doing. This offensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing, and I know better. <laughs> this defensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing, and I know better. <laughs> and then you kind of look at the CVs, the resumes of these two people, meaning random internet guy and, <laughs> and Eric DeCosta <laughs> or Greg Roman, or, yeah. and, and you think this is good. But it's, it's nice to hear someone you know, be able to analyze this and, and really say that, hey, I do think they've made a lot of the right moves, or think, and I think they've shown restraint when it was necessary to show restraint, and I think they've not been cheap as as they've been through it. And I, I think that's a very fair representation 
that, that you've given in the show. I really appreciate you coming on, Miggy. Great having this discussion with you. Yeah, thank you a lot for having me on. It was a really fun talk. I, I want to make sure we give everybody your correct. Uh, it is at M-I-G-U-E-D-U-R-N. So he's got no A in the in the Duran part of that. Uh, that is his uh, email, uh, sorry, his uh, Twitter address. Please give him a follow. Uh, I- interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm sure you'll, you respond to people fairly rapidly and, and when, uh, when they send you questions, yeah. but I, I really appreciate having you on my friend, other folks out there. I, I will make a quick pitch. If you want to do a film study short, I've got a lot of uh, really good ideas for shows this week. We're going to do one on Maryland basketball. We have some others coming mm-hmm. up as well, but uh, hit me up with that. Uh, and I will try and get it on as soon as I can, not necessarily this week. Uh, so, uh, Okay. Just uh, another comment. Uh, shout out to all the, the Mexican Ravens here. So you guys were not alone. We're probably not a lot, but we're here standing steadily. All right. I, I appreciate that, Miggy. Where do you live in Mexico? Aguascalientes. It's a really uh, tiny town in the center of Mexico. Beautiful. So. Okay. Very good. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Thanks again for joining us. No problem, Ken. It was was a pleasure to be in your show. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.